Hello, and welcome back to Legend of the Glorio Heroes, where G and Eero discuss the latest and greatest legendary 1988 OVA. As always, I'm your host, G, and with me to sail amongst the Sea of Stars is none other than Eero. Hi, I'm still here, you know. S- somehow, somehow. How that, possible that... your infection won't keep me away from the stars. No, no, neither rain nor snow nor sleet nor ear infections or whatever is going on in our lives the will stop us fortress. from... No, no, the Ezerlone Fortress or I, th- I think you mean the, uh... Damn, sorry, dude, I already forgot your name. Oh, well... <laughs> You know the admiral who the guy the guy the admiral who led Geiersburg Kemp, Kemp, the Kemp, Kemp there we Mueller go corridor yes the Kemp Mueller corridor sorry Kemp real real bad show on my part look we don't have much reason to to invoke your name these days you know His it's children uh, swore vengeance upon Yang Wei yes yes the the Kemp family is survived by his lovely wife and beautiful children uh but yeah so uh. You know, we're just going to, as always, talk about uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, three episodes at a time. Yeah. Uh, uh, this... Before we get... Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, as I was going to say, but before we get into that, you know, uh, we just want right, to uh, yeah. b- briefly give a shout out to the dearly departed Kinryu Arimoto, who uh, just passed away recently as of the time of this recording. Um, you know, not to make light of his passing, but as we always joke that any uh, anime voice actor of a certain age... You know, at this point, probably played some role in Legend of the Galactic Heroes just yeah. due to the uh, the we sheer do. breadth of its cast. And we done looked it up. Yeah, lo and behold, we found out that uh, Mr. Arimoto had played Von Shaft. Yeah, the uh, the uh, the engineer, the architect of the Geisberg plot. Yeah, his so, uh, giant mustache. Yes, yes. So, uh, so rest in peace. But uh. As we move on, we're going to be talking about episodes 42, 43, and 44 yes. this week. Episode 42, Invitation to a Requiem. Episode 43, Gallarhorn's Roar. And episode 44, Fazan Occupied. Yes. You know, uh, as as one often might say, you know, this is an interesting trio of yeah. episodes. Uh, maybe not as dense as last week's trio, but uh, still right. definitely worth talking about. Kind of getting into same. like it's been. I feel like it's been set up for a long time now, and we're getting yeah, into, yeah. I th- we're starting to get I into think... climax or stuff starting to happen, which yes, in a way means there's less to talk about. <laughs> um, well, it's more that because of all the setup that has been established, now we're just. In the same way that it's kind of, you know, in the same way that like a roller coaster is, you know, slowly, you know, ratcheting, ratcheting itself up to the top of the, yeah. of the slope, right? Like we've been building up all this potential energy, all these, all these plot lines, all these characters, all this intrigue. And now it's about to come screaming down at a million miles per hour. Indeed. And, you know, woe betide to anybody who happens to be caught in its, in its way. You know? <laughs> but, uh. Yeah. yeah, so let's just get right into it because, uh, you know, so, some fun stuff happening this week or yeah. uh, these three episodes. And, um, well, we start episode 42 with just Yulian dreaming about making sure he gets up on time to make breakfast for Admiral Yang Wen Lee. <laughs> yes, it's it's very good. You know, in the, it's it, you kind of almost get that feeling despite Julian's age, that feeling of like, 
oh, what is a person who is not like of like of a of a recent retiree? He's got, he's got empty nest syndrome. Right, right, empty nest syndrome, or like a re- like you know, like or somebody who's recently retired from a job they've had all their life, and they don't know what to do anymore now that they don't have to wake up at seven or like six thirty or whatever you know every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like what what is a life for Julian Minchi that does not involve you know taking care of Yang Wen Li? Yeah. You know, but, like uh, full flashback and everything to yes. him waking up young and young saying that it doesn't matter if future historians mock me, they're not even born yet. Yeah, uh, yes. And at least there's peace, there's galactic peace in my dreams. Yeah, yeah. Just troops as will, always, the troops will be mad if I get up too early. Right, yes. Just as always, all these great little just. Again, as always, the just the back and forth amongst the FPA crew is just always a Delightful. ton of fun. Yeah. You know, all this just all of this shade just dropped on Yang's head. Just <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And you know, we got we got a little bit here where, you know, uh Frederica finally, I guess is this the first time she's vocally admitted that uh she's in love with Yang? I mean, I think we've all seen the writing on the wall. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's the first time she admits it. I mean, everybody knows it. Uh, yeah, everybody but Yang Wen Li knows it. Yes, but uh, like as much as we joke about Julian being like you know the harem protagonist of his own story, <laughs> I feel like for better or worse, Julian's too competent. He's too self aware. Like it's too powerful. Like, Julian would, yeah, like like Julian would know if somebody was hitting on him. On the other hand, I think it's it's Yang is actually the one who is the like the hapless romance protagonist uh-huh. who's like. Uh, oh, Frederica oh, no. likes me. I, I didn't know stumbled that. into the bath while they were all yeah. here. Exactly. Like, well, I, as much as I, hate I was them. too drunk from drinking all this brandy. <laughs> oh, I think it's more just like as much as I dislike those tropes. Yang is believably is believably enough of a doofus in like all <laughs> things unrelated to tactics. That like he is totally the dude who would be like, "Hmm, I'm busy staring at this report, this clipboard I have. Oops, I walked into the girls' changing room or something. <laughs> I was too busy going like, my tactical plan." Yeah, yeah, or like, or like Frederica would finally confess to Yang Wen Li, and Yang Wen Li <clears throat> being the idiot love protagonist, he is be like, "What? Oh, sorry, Frederica, did you say something? I was too busy reading this history book or something, you know? Or I'm too busy thinking about Reinhard von Lohengrin." He'd fallen asleep because he's too tired. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, like, everybody would know, but, like, like Shen Kao would be like, can't you tell that Frederica's got feelings for you? And Yehung would be like, what? Don't be ridiculous. That would never, ever happen in a million years. <laughs> Not for a guy like me. Not for a guy like me. All I do is drink tea. Tea, quote-unquote tea, <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, you saw that episode of Grand Blue. <laughs> Yeah. You know, nine, uh, nine parts vodka, one for whiskey. It looks yeah. just like tea. Same color of tea. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what yeah. Young's college days look like. Maybe we'll see that in Legend of the... <laughs> Maybe we'll see that uh, when we start our, uh, our, our our second podcast, our third podcast, Legend of the Glorious Heroes Gaiden. Yeah, maybe. The Gaiden series. See, uh, see what the hell Young was getting up to. I feel like as much as we joke, though, I feel like Yang was probably like a sad drunk in college who probably drank by himself. But I drank with a uh, lap, right? Oh uh, yeah, with lap. Yeah, right. Lap. Lap was a character. Remember him? <laughs> well, Dusty Attenborough. Uh, Buddy's feel, I, Dusty Attenborough, right? I think he didn't meet Dusty until uh, until the movie, right? I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, 
Sorry, we don't. Okay, well, I'm sure. What I'm sure some commenter will hopefully explain to us the the Dusty timeline because my rough understanding is that Dusty's um, usage or his the way Dusty is featured in the OVA is slightly different from the books. Yeah, but. although Dusty did uh, when he gave his luck, uh, good luck charm to Julian the other day, he told a story about how they met in uh, military academy, right? Oh yeah, I guess he did. Yeah, good, good, good eye on you then for remembering that. But yeah, um, but, yeah. but Yulia and Vashenko are uh, heading to Fazan. Yes, yes, meeting with their get, superiors. Yes, with their shitty, incompetent superiors, and uh, you know, we, fat guy with a giant mustache. Yeah. And we have some good, like, we got some good classic Julian, like always secretly being like maybe the smartest, most competent person in the room. You know, we have Julian going clothes shopping. We mm-hmm. have Julian like spying on cats and like <laughs> being able to figure out that like Fazan, like no matter what, even if like maybe people at Fazan are trying to obscure things from Julian, like he's pretty canny, like things are pretty good at Fazan. Yeah. Like some girls hit on him. Uh yeah. You know, uh, you know. Look, it's like it's like they say when Julian attends that like reception later in the day. People just like know, talking whether, to him, right? What, sorry, what? People like talking to him, right? Or, oh yeah, yeah. Like, not only do people like talking to Julian, but like you know, he he naturally is good at like drawing attention to him, but like in a good way. Unlike Yang Wen Lui, who seems yeah. to you know draw attention in the in the worst way possible. <laughs> so, the protagonist Julian. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's you know it's just I kind of love the aspect of like one of the guys at Fazan's like you know from from pretty girls to planetary organization systems. <laughs> if you want it, Fazan has got it. All right, you know Julian plays it off pretty well, but uh, we we begin to see that Julian is pretty good. Unlike Yang Wen Lee, is also pretty good at playing the politics game. He uh, yeah. He uh he he starts saying some stuff, you know, some maybe purposely inflammatory stuff, but he says it in a way like he delivers it in a way where Young would never Fazan, say it in this way. Like he I, Young probably Young, wouldn't even he, say it at all. Well, Young would say it and everybody would get mad at him and like kick him out of the party. But like Julian for some reason is able to deliver it in a way where like the Vizani politicians are either I are either able to like laugh it off or just be like, No, no, don't worry, it's definitely not like that. You oh, know, you but, kid! Like but, in your crazy, your crazy ideas. Yeah. But Julian basically says, "Hey, uh, why?" But, but yes, Julian essentially says, "Well, why couldn't the Empire invade through the Fazan Corridor? If it's a law, like if if the only thing stopping them from invading the Fazan Corridor is law, is a written law, is right. a written law that was made by a human being, then that's a law that people can also easily unmake." Yep, and uh, kind of does this to kind of get Rupert's attention. Yeah, which, uh, I think. You know, again, yeah. pretty candy on Julian's part. But before uh, they can really get at it, uh, commanding officer guy gets yeah, uh, Viola, I think something like that uh, yeah. pulls him off. But hey, as as shitty FPA people tend to do, yes, yes. <laughs> that also means Rupert uh, goes to report back to um, Agent Rubinsky, who still yeah, doesn't that, think uh, it's that big of a deal. Right. I kind of do love this aspect of like Rupert is kind of like. We should keep an eye on this Julian kid. Like he is Yang's protege. That's nobody to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. And you know, Rubinsky, where? Well, so here's the thing. After before these three episodes, <laughs> I would have said I would have said that Rubinsky, like casually dismissing Julian, was like in and of itself an act. Like he was playing it up, but right. he was actually like, paying attention to Julian. 
After these three episodes, I begin to question actually how smart Rubinsky is. He might... I feel like Rubinsky is maybe not as canny as he initially seemed in in earlier episodes. But then again, considering what he does to Rupert in the next couple of episodes, maybe he actually is as smart as he seems. Yeah, maybe. But anyways... I I could also just see it being like, he is smart, but also even he can overlook things, you know? True, true, right. He is not he is not immutable. In, yeah, not infallible. But uh but yeah, so we kind of get this good bit where Rupert, you know, uh goes off to his secret like lair right. where we find out he's got uh Bishop Earth Cult Bishop Degensby fucking Degensby, yeah. basically like locked in a basement full of alcohol and drugs. Right. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, well, how I don't know what they would think. How how would his holiness you know what would he think about your extreme conduct? Yeah, and it's and, and Gatsby rightfully points out like, no, you I you pick all these drugs, asshole. Right, like I I never had any secret vices. You're the one who forced this stuff on me, <laughs> which I kind of think is like really great in a weird way. Like, not that I have any sympathy for the Earth cult, but I find it very funny that Rupert is like, no, everybody's got dirt on them. Like everybody has a secret. <laughs> Even that if can that be dirt like, is thrown on them. <laughs> Right, right. Even if that dirt is literally shot into their veins, which I thought was a kind of fucked up thing to do, but it's just the way the Fazan does things, right? Yeah, yeah. But I do kind of love that, despite being hopped up on drugs and booze, like Degensby is still like, "No, I'm not going to play your game." And Rupert's like, "Well, I try to do this, strike me down." You know, I guess I'm just going to blackmail you instead. (laughs) The true fucking like. The real way Fazan does things. Right, yes. Oh, well, you know, I, can't, I can't break your ideology of Girth Call or whatever. How would I just fucking blackmail you? Right, I was going to say Fazan is our, our truly masters of the art of the deal, so to speak. You know, just... Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they suddenly know, have a way... Can't, can't, can't get them to join you? You just beat them down, I guess? Right, just break them down until they're malleable. But, uh... <laughs> About... In regards to blackmail, Rupert says it's an antiquated method, but it's frequently used because it's effective. Indeed. It just seems antiquated because it's frequently used. <laughs> uh, oh, Rupert. <laughs> I, uh, Perfect. There are a lot of things I would have loved to see you do in this show, but... Uh, yeah. We'll get to that. So uh, we, we switch back to, uh, to the old Empire. Because the old uh, Empire. Reinhardt is assigning all of his best admirals for Operation Ragnarok. Yeah. Now we find out that Royenthal is tasked with taking on Iserlone. Meanwhile, Mittermeier is going to be assigned to uh, go through the Fazan Corridor. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then uh, even in the mm-hmm. case of, you know, uh, even in the case of Fazan trying to uh, seal them in, we have a second uh, pincer attack uh, with the 4th and 5th Fleet because mm-hmm. we're going to have Mecklinger and Kessler staying behind at Odin. And various and, uh, other admirals are also being assigned to these fleets. Oh, yes. I'm just mentioning the admirals I can remember the names of. Oh, not yeah. freaking fucking Lutz or, or, or Wallen or freaking all these other dudes. Yeah, I just pulled up a screenshot of with five names on it, and I don't remember any of these people. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, sorry, dude. Uh, Mueller hey. is assigned to go with Mittermeier. Uh, yes, yes. Mueller is with Mittermeier kind of a... Wait, is he? Yeah. I thought... 
I thought they specifically wanted Maybe Mueller I'm to wrong. not. I thought they specifically didn't want Mueller to go with uh, Mittermeier because they were. Reinhardt no, they had this idea that oh, they didn't want him to go with Royenthal because he had sworn vengeance upon Yang Wenli. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. I got it mixed up. For some reason, I thought Mittermeier was going. I for a brief second in my head, I thought Mittermeier was going after Israel. Yes, other way around. He's going with Mittermeier because. Reinhardt knows that Mueller's got like a, a personal emotional stake in taking on Yan Wenli. And like, as we see, even with all Royenthal himself, uh, <laughs> Reinhardt's admirals are still human yeah. and quite fallible to their own personal vices yeah. and shortcomings. So, yeah, we also get some official like uh, acknowledgement of Hilda's role as Reinhardt's secretary, basically. That yeah. they have legally decided to uh, treat her as holding the rank of commander. Right, which I think is an interesting move that... Uh, I, I, I'm i curious how, if that will ever come into play. Because before, when we were talking about it, we talked about how, how Hilda had soft power. Mm-hmm. She had the ability to influence and coerce, but she could not actually pull rank. Now she kind of can... And I wonder if there's an aspect of Oberstein kind of like off in the corner, like grumbling to himself about this development because now on the other hand, like, now he can say, uh, well, hmm. but now he I can say, like, yeah, now he can say like, don't listen to someone of a rank such as that or whatever. Right. Granted, well, I, I guess, don't know where commander is up the fucking chain, but sure. True. I, I guess I had it in my head that it's more like, before give, being given like a pseudo official right. rank, she was just like, a civilian. Right, uh, Hilda is technically just a civilian. Like Oberstein could easily just pull a like, you're a civilian, and by law you have no right to be here or something. You know, I don't right, think he right. ever would. But now, that would, like, but now she's officially, or yeah, she's officially, of, yeah. I mean, she's at least of comparable rank. Like she's not going to walk around like ordering Royenthal and Mittermeier what to do. But it's more like they can no longer just easily brush her aside. I think. Mm-hmm. So, wonder how that will come into play. But uh, otherwise, yeah. So you know, uh, yeah. they uh, with the plan figured out, they then purposely leak part the user loan part of the plan to the FPA. Yep, and uh, we're like we've, it's fine because we have user loan fortress. Right, right. Of course, the freaking entire FPA leadership falls for it, other than Bucock. Which is just so dang frustrating. Like, how can none of you possibly see this coming? We've, you know, it's just yeah. I mean, Bucock's like what the only old guard left in the uh, the military at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. The other admiral who got shot by Fork is being like retired. Yeah, Dawson's so, already in this room. Uh, yeah, Dawson's in power now. It's like I'm not. I'm honestly, I'm not even sure how Bucock's hanging in there. You know, like I feel like I would have like forcibly retired ten, him by now. Ten year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe it's just that Bucock's just too damn stubborn to go, unlike the rest of them. You know, yeah. like, like sometimes right. I think for better or worse, like I don't, I don't hold it against him, but I do sometimes think back to Sidile, like who just got out when he could, who just got out when he could, and I think I don't think Sidile, even if Sidile was stubborn enough to stick around, although I don't think he could have stayed around because like he would have eventually been blamed for Armletzer, or he right. would have been or blamed uh, like eventually, he would have been the fall guy. Wonder what so, Sidley's up to these days. Yeah, yeah. So in, in a ways, I wonder if actually Sidley had the best, was the smartest of them all to be like, ah, dude, the FPA is fucked. Like, I'm out of here. I can't fix this. But uh, yeah, I hope he's enjoy. I, I I hope he's enjoying a peaceful retirement. 
<laughs> say that much. Yeah, I hope uh, so. Beekeeping or whatever it is he's doing. That's right. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, I don't even remember where the beekeeping joke came from, but just uh, just that it was said at some point. <laughs> right. I just think someone at some point mentioned the prospect of it, which is very funny to me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know. Uh, so then we finally end up. We finally get to uh, Yang Wenli. Still at Izzard alone. Making plans and, for the uh, attack. Yes, yes. He has a... Uh, he has here... I've written my notes. Yang has a simple but effective plan. I think it's and, just... Uh, um, sorry, go ahead. I think it's literally just like, send some people out beforehand and then pincher them between our fleet and these alone. Yeah, yeah, basically. Which... You know, like again, it's it's an effective plan, but you know, I think I think a guy like Kemp might have fallen for it. You know, I think mm-hmm. Royenthal, as we see, is a cannier, a, li- a little smarter than that. He but, falls for other tricks, <laughs> but no, but don't worry, Royenthal is still <laughs> enough of an idiot to fall for other tricks. Some very like <laughs> some real basic ass tricks that you think, <laughs> yeah, man, forget whatever. We'll, we'll don't worry. We'll we'll get to episode forty three in just a moment. All we have left here is uh, we finally we, we we so we move on to um, a recon ship that's kind of right. out out away from Izzerlone and uh, just talking shit about their captain. All these talking shit bridge. about their captain to his face, basically. Like he's they're, just standing they're there all the joking. Bridge. They're all joking around. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then they get a uh, they get the they get the signature ping that oh shit, there's like fifty thousand ships coming our way. Oh, oops, and like. I love this bit here. Like, I love this captain because they're yeah, true, you know, the, the like, what do we do, captain? Do we fight him? And like, the captain just is like, no, like, like, do you know why this, this ship is undefeated? We're undefeated because we don't fight battles. We have no chances of winning. Let's fucking they, run. They fucking run fail. Idiots. Right. Which I uh, think is very good. I'm glad not everybody in the FPA is a suicidal dumbass. Yeah. But, uh, and then we finally, uh, we finally end with Yang just kind of musing that, you know, in a, in a ways, the guys behind us are more dangerous than the ones in front of us, mm-hmm. which sure is a statement on the uh, condition of the FPA these days. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Yang. But, uh, and, like, I think he, like, sent, he's like, you know, hey, Frederica, send a message to the FPA head that... To the Empire's here. Defenses on Fazan, right? Right. I, I, please, you know, yes. Please, like, type in bold. I think they're going to go for Fazan. I know it won't work. I know it doesn't matter, but I have to try anyways. Yeah. And, and uh, so... Uh, it brings up a question of if, uh, as long as Yang's here on Ezerlone, like, they're fine, but uh, they might order him to leave Ezerlone when yes, our yes. inevitably attacks from the other side. Right, and then that's an equally dangerous position because A, you're abandoning Izzerlone. B, like, I don't think Young's actual physical fleet is that large. Like, right. like because the, the implication seems to be that the FPA is happy to hamstring Young to the point where he's just barely, like, in good enough condition to, like, to fight most of the time. Because, again... Being the idiots they are, keep thinking Yang Wenli is eventually gonna like throw a coup or something. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So basically, the only option to him right now is do some work. He's alone. 
because even if uh, they're attacking Fazan, there's nothing he can do about it right now. It's just yep. do what he's got to do. Indeed. And do what he's got to do, he does indeed yeah. in episode 43. Operation Ragnarok has begun in earnest. Yes. Uh, we start off with, you know, uh, both sides. Uh, we're talking about Rinthal's fleet and Yang's Iserlone kind of just trading shots with each other for a bit. Yeah. Um, then we uh, we have we have Rointhal musing about how he's going to have to rely on a rather gaudy plan, which I think is a great choice of words because I wonder what Rointhal considers gaudy. <laughs> and uh, turns out what he considers gaudy is sending Lutz out to get their attention, and uh, kind of like the kind of kind of you know kind of like the uh, the Geidersberg fight, kind of a fun back and forth here. We have Yang sending out Edwin Fisher and Dusty to kind of protect. Or kind of to, to probe the Lutz fleet. Mm-hmm. But it uh, turns out this is exactly what Royanthal wants. Because yeah. by having Fly- Yang's fleet mixed up with, yeah. Flying with straight. the fleet. Yeah, because the fleets are mixed up, they can't fire the main gun. Yeah, exactly. Like, can't risk the friendly fire. And uh, that lets uh, Royanthal start to close the distance. And we're all worried a bit. But then, thankfully, we got, you know, motherfucking... You know, big dick energy incarnate Shen Cop strolling in, and you know when Shen Cop's got that look on his face. Oh, Shen Cop's that, got an uh, idea. That he's got an idea, and what an idea it is. Yeah, so, so they, uh, as the fleets get close, <clears throat> or yeah, they launch the Hyperion from Yzerlone. Yang right, Wenli, flagship of Yang Wenli himself, Magician yes. Yang, Miracle yes. Yang. And oh my fucking god, Royenthal, did you seriously fall for this? He cannot resist. Uh, he cannot resist the possibility of taking out Magician Yang himself. Right. Just <laughs> oh my god! Like, like, is this not like the fucking second or third time at this point in the show they have sent out the Hyperion without Yang in it? I know. And the fucking so funny. And- and the fucking Empire falls for it every single time. <laughs> right. His reputation is so powerful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, oh my god. It's like, you th- you th- here's the thing. I think any other Empire Admiral would have fallen for this. I always thought Royanthal would be the <laughs> one... I always thought Royanthal would be the one Admiral in the entire Empire Admiralty who would not fall for the empty Hyperion trick. Oh, but it fucking works. Oh my uh, god, just, oh my god, I'm so glad this happened, just because, like, no hating on Royanthal himself, I think as a character he's super interesting, but I think in a ways, up till now, he was starting to suffer a bit from, like, Reinhardt syndrome of, like, you know, he's, like, the quiet, like, competent one. Yeah. Like, he's, like, always cool and under control, but we finally I get to see a bit of him, I, like... I think you're right, but also, he was never so cool and under control, I feel like, that, uh... He reached Reinhardt levels. Sure, sure. I wouldn't say he's like, you know, at that level, but I guess what I mean is I am glad we are fine. I guess what I mean is that like at the beginning when Reinhardt assembled his like, you know, his magical band of unbeatable admirals, right. it kind of gave off this vibe of like, how could anybody hope to stop these admirals? They're the best admirals in the entire like Empire fleet. Yeah. Each and every single one of them is a force of nature unto themselves. Right, right. So like to kind of start to see them get bled out, even if it's just bit by bit, you know, first with Kempf and then Mueller kind of getting fucked up. I'm glad it's happening because it's beginning to make the fights feel a little more, a little bit more believable, I guess, that 
at the very least, the FPA is capable capable of putting up a fight against these admirals. You know, yeah. Is Zhang Wenli so, just going to go down the list like it's a fucking, you know, right? Right. I mean, I was going to say compare this like to the fucking tower in like Mortal Kombat yeah, or something. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's what I was trying to. Yang Wenli making it making it up like way up, up each floor, floor of the pagoda. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Okay. Yang Wenli, test your might. Yes, exactly. <laughs> How many cups of alcohol can you drink before you pass out? Uh, but uh, but yes. So long story short, Roenthal, being the fool he is, overcommits his fleet to try and take out the Hyperion. The Hyperion just fucking rams into his flagship. Or I don't think it's the Hyperion, right? I thought it was uh, like. I think it was like the smaller like boarding ships, right? Oh, it was it. I think so. Like the Hyperion was basically just used to draw uh, oh, Roenthal okay. in, because I don't think I don't think Shankop boarded um, Roenthal's ship with the Hyperion. I think he was like, you're right, you're right. Only these like smaller attack. Well, anyways, that's what we're talking about. Basically, Roenthal, uh, being apparently the gullible dumbass he is, gets drawn into the slugfest with the Hyperion, which allows Shankop and his Rosenritter to board. Randall's oh, yeah. and do what the Rosen Ritter do best, just which just is run full <laughs> Yes, yes, which is run head first into laser fire and just chop people to pieces. The close range combat stuff in the show is so over the top. <laughs> it's so over the top, but it's also so so good. I kind of love that. Like at first, I was like, "Oh, okay, they're gonna go to melee because of like you know Zephyr particles, right?" They don't even bring out the Zephyr particles this time. The yeah. the Empire dudes are just shooting. Yep. They just fucking shoot and Shankop runs at six guys who are shooting at him and just kills all of them. Yes, yes. It's so good. And like motherfucker doesn't even put his faceplate down. He runs out there with his fucking face yeah. out there, his gleaming smile as he's just chopping mofos up. So good, and yeah, and it gets to like the changing room or whatever where Royenthal, yeah, the locker room essentially, Royenthal's putting on some power armor for himself. Yeah, and uh, we have a bit here where Royenthal's guards apparently have the fucking best aim in the world, right? Because they land simultaneous fucking laser throat shots on, uh, yeah, Shenkop's buddies. So it's Shenkop versus uh. Yeah. And Shinkop takes both of them down by himself. So. Right, right. Like, not even breaking a sweat. But uh, then when he goes on to finish off Roenthal, we find out that uh, there is, in fact, one other person in the entire galaxy who can maybe put up a fight against Shenkop. <laughs> I would have pegged Mittermeier as, like, the better close quarters come. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, if you ask me, like, maybe we'll save this topic for our season end podcast, but if you ask me, like, if you put, like, all the Legend of Galactic Heroes characters in, like, a fucking battle royale to the death or, like, you know, put them in, like, a 1v1, like, you know, fighting tournament or something, like, I'd say Shen Kopp is, like, the uncontested, like, 1v1 combatant in all of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And then, you know, probably closely followed by, uh, you know, like, a guy like Mittermeier. But, or uh, Louis Mashengo. Or Louis Mashengo, yes. Or uh, that one dude... From that one episode, who got caught in the Pokemon trap? Uh, <laughs> That's right. Who, like, oh, fucking was fucking knee deep in corpses by the time uh, they stopped him. <laughs> yeah, Admiral Ovlasor, I think. Yeah, Ovlasor. Yes, that, that fucking dude. That guy. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, fucking. Remember, boy. Remember Legend of the Galactic Heroes back then in season <laughs> one. <laughs> 
Any time uh, yeah. like yeah. do their stuff, it's great. Yeah, it's so different from every other part of the show. Yes, yes. But yeah, so it turns out that fucking Randall is a goddamn ninja. Yeah, fucking does a fucking backflip on Shenkop and like shoots his, shoots, shoots his axe. Yeah, shoots his axe out and like fucking forces them to get into a goddamn knife fight. Yeah. And like, uh, holds you know, his own uh, while. yeah, he holds his own long enough for reinforcements to show up, which uh, force Shenkop to bail. Which, uh, you know, again, I think, I think, give it enough time, I think Shenkop would have come out on top. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, I think you know, so too. I but, was really uh, like, of course, in retrospect, of course, it's going to end in a draw. But at the time, I was like. Is this the we're for forty episodes in? Is this going to be like the first like major loss after since Kirky Eyes? You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think it could have gone either way, right? Like, yeah, that's why I was like, like oh shit, of, right? Like, think about like you know how much of a twist would be if yeah, just Randall fucking drops dead this early on, just you know from a knife to the gut from Shenkop or something, or or go the other way if Randall managed to somehow kill Shenkop, right? Like to lose Shenkop this yeah, early yeah. on. And a, a huge blow to Yang Wen Lee, and uh, but at the same time, I think I think I think I don't think it would have happened because I think Roenthal's part in the story is not yet played out. Like we keep we keep seeing those asides with Roenthal kind of like grumbling under his teeth, or you yeah. know, you know, you know, just kind of like he definitely has some issues with Reinhard that he has not publicly voiced yet, and I think. I'm not going to go as far as say Roenthal is going to try and like throw a coup or betray uh, Reinhardt, but I wonder if we're waiting for that shoe to drop. Right. Yes. I wonder if there's going to be something that drives him to that point eventually, because he certainly doesn't like Reinhardt that much. And yeah. I think we have yet to see that plot play out, but uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Shenkop bails, you know, we, they drove away Reinthal's fleet, basically. Yes, but they managed to drive away Reinthal's fleet, you know, kind of, in a ways, you know, both sides are once again caught at an impasse. You know, uh, as I always talk about, sieges are kind of a mental game, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, who has the willpower and the grit to hold out longer, you know, who has the wherewithal and the self-awareness to know when when to commit hard and when to pull back. Because, like, there is totally a version of this where either Reinthal or Shenkop overcommits. Right, mm-hmm. and there's a part. There's a there's a version of the story where Shenkop sees Reinthal's reinforcements come in, and he stays in that fight and dies in the process. Or there's a version of this where like Reinthal. Well, there's a version of this where Reinthal never falls for the plot in the first place. So. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, and uh, they, they ask Young like, "You think you could take this guy?" Basically, uh, and Young being Young goes into his whole spiel. About how he does, he's not really sure if he can take them. Yeah, which I think is a really interesting thing because that's Yang being Yang, but then I like Shenkop being Shenkop, <laughs> where he's like, Yang, you can't fucking say that because one of these days you're gonna have to take on Reinhardt himself. You know, he's, <laughs> you know, Reinhardt is the Shao Kahn in this situation. <laughs> he's waiting on the top floor. Like, if you start doubting yourself about taking doubt, you know, about taking on one of his lackeys, how can like, you be Chang Sung? How can you be Chao Kahn? Right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, long story short, bless Shen Kop for, 
you know, just being like the 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 confident, aggressive one in uh in Yang's corner to be yeah. like, you know, be like, nah, f that man, you can take him. <laughs> but, but yes, then we find we get a uh, we get this good part here where uh, Poplin is uh, complaining about this battle while eating a hot dog. <laughs> They're in the galley or whatever, and he's just yeah, eating a fucking yeah. hot dog and drinking a can of beer. Yeah, yeah. Or not just a hot dog, hot dogs. We, we <laughs> hot dogs. Right, like like gee, Poplin, why do you get two hot, hot dogs? dogs? You know, just uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, Poplin. Yes, but I do like the conversation they have here. He has with a uh, Konev, yeah, where uh, where Pavlin's talking about how you know great people like him, you know, they often need someone to bounce ideas off of, and uh, that's Konev's job, and <laughs> and then Pavlin kind of almost immediately also like in it in the same way that he is like you know the idiot wise man of the crew, he like immediately correctly guesses that that's what Yang needed Julian for. Yeah, like. Julian was very important uh, to just have someone to yeah have someone to voice everything to yeah in a, in a somewhat less than official capacity yeah just like someone you don't have to feel the pressure of like they will <laughs> professionally judge you for suggesting what you say like and that's that was Julian and like again we see with Reinhardt that was Kirky eyes like yeah. without that person like like we don't even mean like an an an, uh, an emotional confidant i think we mean on this level like a a confidant on the level where like not necessarily of similar rank but like of similar like similar mind a similar mind just somebody who you can bounce ideas off of because like that confidant respects you enough and they like you enough that like they will never hold it against you for what you suggest and yeah. As we see with like Yang, like this battle is emotionally wearing on him because he doesn't have that person. You yeah. know, like like not even Frederica can be that person for Yang Wen Li. Like yeah. not even not even a cat can, can do this for <laughs> yeah, Yang. Yang cat got left behind on Ezerload. Yes, yes. <laughs> Where we and, find uh, Yang Wen Li desperately trying to bounce ideas off of Julian's cat. Walks off while in the mid right. right to no avail. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, but then uh, he gets called back, uh, to the bridge for the new offensive and yes, get some good old space fight and shit. Yeah. We had, we had a good space fight here. I think, I think this fight is fine. It's not that interesting. Like we see that the empire keeps sending out these small harassment fleets to slowly take out the, um, uh, is loans, like floating. We have this kind of really great bid though, where like young purposely, like, drops depth charges around on the surface of user loan to like, because the thing that the harassment fleets are doing is they're, they're slowly shooting away at user loans, like metallic ocean. Yeah. To get to the vulnerable, like armor plating underneath. So like young drops some depth charges to like, basically cause like a, a miniature, like tight uh, tsunami of sorts to like wash the, uh, to wash the metal ocean around to uh, keep covering. Yeah. It, which, that part I think is pretty ingenious. Oh, I like I that just, a lot. I just love the metal ocean as like a visual image. Uh, oh yeah, it's so good. Like it is one of the most like space opera ass parts of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> but uh, but yes, with this plan, uh, with the fight going as it is, That's and uh, the fight. Honestly. Yeah, we finally have Roythal starting to back off from Isolone. And the episode ends with Reinhard being given the Cassus Belli he needs to launch the rest of his fleet. 
Yep. They uh, officially called back for reinforcements that yes. that can be said to be going to Ezerloan, but that oh, can then uh, detour towards Fazan. Yes, yes. They are definitely they are going to Ezerloan on paper to back up Royenthal, but you and I, everybody basically, basically everybody other than the FPA leadership uh, knows where this is going. <laughs> yep. And uh <laughs> This is a silly detail, but okay, you know, they've been building up to sickly count guy doing something, but uh, as all these ships launch and we get Hilda standing with Reinhardt, and she thinks to herself, after all this, I should go visit Heinrich. Yes, yes, she's like, I wonder how my cousin is doing. My weird cousin who is planning something. Also, don't forget, number one Mecklinger fan in the galaxy. Uh, Baron Kudmul, I think. Yes, yes. Whatever. But uh, yeah, so we start off with uh, episode forty-four. We see uh, we see Mittermeier already heading towards the Fasan corridor. Yeah, uh, we have the interesting bit where the soldiers in the general rank and file don't know about this, which makes sense. I feel like a plan of this magnitude, you would want to keep to it your would, like highest. Leak, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, it's your highest circle. It would leak, and it would leak in a way you don't want it to leak. Unlike all the other times you have purposely let things leak. Some dude, but, uh, some some ensign would post on Twitter, going to Fazan. Exactly, exactly, right. Like some ensign would like take a selfie and like location tag it to Fazan Corridor. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. Hang on a second. But, uh, but yeah, so we find Mittermeier reveals are going to Fazan. And we kind of cut to a, a Fazani like relay station. Where uh, I love these dudes. I love these dudes with their fucking scouters. They're uh, Dragon Ball scouters, and yeah. the scout like detail the like eye, plate, eye plates on the scouters like flip back, flip up. Right, right. I, I really love that. I really love that because I feel like realistically wearing a scouter would actually be really annoying because like having half your vision constantly like colored green yeah. would like actually be super debilitating so just having like that tiny smart detail of like being able to flip the vice the, the, the scouter back like it's a dumb minor thing but like i really do love that detail yeah but uh but anyways yeah so you know they uh you know they they're like wait well, you know what's the how big of a fleet are we talking about you know like oh shit it's like ten thousand thirty yeah Right, right. I mean, in a way, is this bit is almost exactly from it, it almost exactly is some fucking Dragon Ball shit, where like they're fucking like, what does the scouter say about their power of their fleet? And like, just like Dragon Ball, once they get once they get the full number, like one of the like Fazani like relay station dude gets so mad he breaks the scouter. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, thirty thousand ships. Uh. Uh, but uh, yep. but yes. Uh, so apparently, turns out Rubinsky actually totally got tricked by this. Like, yeah, Rubinsky basically admits, "Huh, I didn't think Reinhardt would do this that soon." Right. And, uh, we have uh, uh we have Rupert, Rupert's like, <laughs> I guess you weren't that great, Adrian Rubinsky. You only, <laughs> you're only Landisher for four years. The You're shortest age over, old man. Right, right. So Rupert reveals his plan to overthrow uh, Rubinsky. Um, 
not only does he pull a gun, but uh, kind of starts to like um, freaking mentally and emotionally get frayed here. His crazy eyes going. Yeah, whereas uh, Rubinsky is fucking cool as a cucumber. Uh, I kind of love it. Like, there's a part of me that was up until the scene played out. I was like, shit, I can't tell if Rubinsky is like actually completely in control here. Or if he just like has severely overestimated his own like right, uh, his own like, power. And his fucking secret service kicked down the mirror and just the one way mirror. And yeah, yes. up yeah, yeah. They just fucking blast the shit out of him. Um, we have a bit here where like I kind of love where once again, you know, obviously this is just like you know good like subtitling work, but like. There's a part here where Rubinsky is like, yes, as your father, in quote-unquote, you know? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yeah, Rupert's mad uh, that Adrian Rubinsky is calling him by his first name. Don't you dare say my name so casually. Yeah. Adrian Rubinsky. But, uh, yeah, and then we have a bit here where Rubinsky says, like, well, I don't actually know if this is true. In fact, I feel like this is just like the self, like this is just the retroactive self-justification that like narcissistic people in power say. But Rubinsky like drops a line where ah, Rupert, if you'd only known your place, like right. I would have, you know, if you had just waited for your time, I would have made you, you know, the Landishar eventually. Given it all to you. Which, you know, like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I feel like guys like Rubinsky, like if you look in history, like people like Rubinsky tend to want to hold on to power until they're, they until they drop dead. Yeah. Like uh, people like Rubinsky do not peacefully hand over power, quote unquote, when the time is right. But uh, who can be? You know what can be said? Yeah. Uh, we do have a good bit here where um, Rubinsky does mention like, uh, when did you ever think that Dominique Sinclair or whatever her name is, right. like, was on your side? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like. Rubinsky's been playing every angle since the start. It's true. And even if he lets Fazan get invaded, he's still smart enough to know how to navigate out of this situation. Yep. He says, just like Jobtrinik did, uh, I'm going to go into hiding. Yes. And just come back when everything's blown over. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, that happens. And then we, we fly, we, we cut to Julian who, uh, has kind of got the right idea. Like, uh, the Empire's here. Like, it's too late to stop them. They've already jammed communications. It's yeah, too late to even get the message out. So, like, all we can do now is, like, is damage control. And yeah. uh, to do or that, we're going to we're gonna take out the uh, the FPA data computers or whatever. Right. And kill the servers. Steal all of our information. Right. And, like, fucking God, the FPA is just so fucking shit. this room is just like, oh, no, Right, right. Or like you have the fucking... I don't even remember that dude's fucking name. The Reed Richards motherfucker. The commissioner guy. The liaison. Yeah. I mean, I know he's the liaison, but I don't remember his name. I don't either. <laughs> uh, so we're just going to call, keep calling him the Reed Richards motherfucker. Uh, and, and he's like... You have this great bit where he's like, oh, 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 God. I don't know what to do. And right. then Julian's like, we got to take out the he fucking mainframe. Yeah. And then... And I don't then take the orders from you, kid. Right, Reed Richards like, oh, I don't take orders from you. And it's like, and fucking Julian's like, you're a fucking idiot. And then fucking, and like, fucking <laughs> on a dime, and Reed Richards motherfucker's like, oh, as, as, long, as long as you take blame for taking out the computers, okay? And it's like, oh my god, you guys are... 
Uh, there's just just really good bit um, here where Julian's like, "Well, if you don't like that, we could we could just let the Empire take all the information. Maybe they'll be lenient with you. Forgive it to them." Yes, like, yes. And he's yes. like, "Really? Awesome." <laughs> 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 nope, nope, no, no, nope. Yeah, uh, I'll take responsibility. Well, let's erase all of it. <laughs> yes, yes. It's just uh, at the end of the day, perhaps Julian's greatest skill is he knows how to deal with people. <laughs> Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Julian manages to take out the data and even sets up a pretty good booby trap here to buy some time. Yeah, gets it done. Yeah. As he gets it gets it done, everyone fucking bails on him. Yes, yes. Uh, there's this great bit where, yes, we, at, at the beginning, when they first come to the FPA, like, embassy, like, everybody, including, like, you know, other FPA military personnel are there, like, all, like, you know, huddling and, and, and whispering to each other and, like, when Julia comes out of the like the server room and goes, "Hey, we took out the data." The room is fucking empty. Yeah. Other than the Reed Richards motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Who apparently is too chicken shit to even flee, which I kind of love in and of itself as like yeah. a statement on that dude's character. It's true. <laughs> yeah, they uh but Julian and Mashengo take take him with them. Yes. You know, yes. they acknowledge that he's chicken shit. Yeah. And uh, will be a burden, but hey, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And they uh, go to charter a ship out of Fazan. Yeah. Yes, yes. And they uh, they they chartered it, charter it with none other than the very same smuggler captain who uh, transported uh, the boy Kaiser. Confirm so. that's the same guy. I think it's the same guy. Isn't I it? Th- I th- I want to say yes, but I have not confirmed. I think it's the same, like the same old fat dude with the mustache, right? Like yeah. the only difference is he says, "Like ah, but unfortunately this time I can't do it." But I know another captain who will do the job, right? Because like pilot's missing or something. Yeah, because his pilot went missing. Oh, right, because his pilot Konev. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 not that one. That was a. Oh, right. Yes, they have. This is where we finally get the conversation. Where uh, I think uh, doesn't Julian mention uh that they know a Konev as well, or was that? Shoot, am I getting this mixed up with the prior trio of episodes? Oh boy, <laughs> I, I'm, I couldn't even tell you. Um, let's see. Sorry, I'm uh, currently tabbing through old screen caps to see if it's the same ship. All right. Well, regardless, it's not the same is, ship. What? It's not the same ship. Oh, is it not the same ship? Okay, my bad. All these old dudes with mustaches look yeah. the same to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Julian says, uh, he, no, okay. Okay. <laughs> Gets fucking straight here. The ship that's chartered to move the Kaiser is not this one, but this one is the one is Boris Konev's ship. Yes. Okay. That's, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And so they but, say, uh, oh, yeah, they, you know, my adopted father, Young Wen Lee, knows Boris Konev. Uh, <laughs> yes. Boris, Boris Konev is on Highness right now. But I know another pilot. Right, that's what happens. Yes. So long story short, they managed to they managed to charter um, a ship and a captain to get out of there. Uh, meanwhile, we find out that uh, Meyer proves to be a Fazan. Like all like all the Empire troops have occupied Fazan, and uh, they specifically say that he did not plunder anything from the private sector and uh, kept everything running pretty much as it was. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Essentially, essentially, they say that Mittermeier proves to be a pretty able administrator of the planet. Yeah. You know that he's he is fair and he is principled. And as we see sure. with a, and he uh, also decreed that definitely don't <laughs> rape and pillage. Definitely do not. But yeah, so we find out that uh, not only is Mittermeier kind of like pretty fair about running the place, but he's true to his word. He says, uh, if I catch anybody raping and pillaging, I'm going to fucking kill them. You know, basically, like, they will be executed. Yeah, they will be you know, uh, as criminals. Like, yeah. like, no exceptions. Yep, and uh, falls through. You know, we yeah. go to a, we cut to a public execution of uh, yeah. these guys. And I think, I think this is good, you know. Right? Yeah, they, yeah they, uh, they, they execute, um, I guess, looks like two guys accused of... Uh, raping and robbing a Fazani woman, yeah. which look, I, I think this is fine. I think this, I think this scene is good. Cause I think it's, I, I'm glad we are seeing that Mittermeier. This is a good show in Mittermeier's part. Like it shows that like he is at his, at his core, he is a good and principled man. Yeah, it's kind like, of, I, I like how they handle Mittermeier as a like good person who believes in bad things, I guess. Yeah, I think that's kind of a good way to approach totally, it. Like, he's totally loyal to, Reinhardt, even potentially blindly so, uh, as we've we've seen, but yes. also like clearly has moral guidelines. Uh, yes, yes, I, I definitely agree with you there, Eero. That I think at its core, yes, Mittermeier at his at its core, Mittermeier is a good man. I wonder if we will start to see that you know, for better or worse, though, that he does some pretty awful things for an awful regime yeah. but for I now i wonder if he'll ever fuse an order on moral grounds yes you know but I, it's hard to say because like you're right like unlike roenthal mittermeier is a loyalist true and true like he is very much the kind of dude who will do whatever whatever the kaiser you know <laughs> not the kaiser well maybe to call it their, well maybe they start to call him the kaiser by the end of this episode but he'll do whatever uh, reinhardt c- commands him to do yeah, and uh, I wonder if that will ever uh, will ever see that develop anywhere. Yeah. Uh, what I was actually going to say is, I think I don't think we needed to see it happening. That would have been gratuitous. I just think that I can't help but side eye a little bit at oh, we caught two whole f- <laughs> empire soldiers accused of raping and looting, and like maybe we're lucky and we live in a maybe the, we. To, to be clear, we're saying that there's probably way more, and not that these two didn't do it. Right, that's what I'm saying, is that, look, maybe Legend of the Galactic Heroes exists in a more refined and civilized era, but when you study military history as much as I have, you also kind of learn about just how generally abominable soldiers often act under duress especially to civilians of conquered territories. You know, like you only need to look at like freaking Germany, Russia, and Japan during world war two to kind of see like the kind of truly awful things soldiers will do to civilians, you know, when they're occupying territory. Yeah. And that is even with like commanding officers who are ostensibly saying, no, don't do that because no matter how strongly you try to enforce that, like people are people and people will often do terrible things regardless of the consequences that await them. Yeah. So I'm not saying, 
oh, we needed to see, like, Mittermeier execute, like, a hundred dudes for, like, raping and pillaging. But I think two is a weirdly small number for yeah. what is the occupation, like, the military occupation of an entire planet. Like, if that's meant to speak to, like, how, like, how capable of a leader Mittermeier is, like, that's how, like, strongly, like, he, he, uh... Commands his loyalty of his troops. Yeah, then I guess that's kind of a way to do it. To be like, oh, like, Mittermeier is such a good leader. Only two troops in his entire army, you know, disobeyed his orders. But as a as a believability thing, I guess it just it feels a little bit off. But right. uh, not enough for me to, like, really have an issue with it. Because at the end of the day, what the scene does show is that, like, Mittermeier... The point of the scene is Mittermeier is following through on his uh morals he makes good on his word yes and i think i I think i would like to believe that whether it was two soldiers or a hundred soldiers or a thousand soldiers that like disobeyed him he would have i think mittermeier would have seen it through because that's the kind of person he is yeah we got a bit of his backstory as well with uh two two soldiers talking just talking about this out loud like maybe five feet behind Mittermeier. Oh yeah. He, uh, when he was younger, he killed a man. He killed a noble born who was doing this business. And, uh, because he angered the nobles, they put him in military prison and tried to kill him. But, uh, Roenthal, his buddy Roenthal pulled some strings with Reinhard von Musel. Yes. Got him, got him free. Yes. So, you know, we we know now that turns out Mittermeier's done some fucking time, so you know he's hardcore. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so with that ending, we kind of get a little bit of interesting development here where we kind of cut to a Fazani bar yeah. by the looks of it. <laughs> it was kind of a weird scene until because I didn't know who the hell this guy was supposed to be. Uh, right, we didn't really know where this was going until the final part, but... Even leading up to that, I did like this scene because I kind of was glad to see this kind of as an example of like, okay, like Fazani resistance does exist. Like, right. And just totally like, roll over. Right. Like there's kind of, for better or worse, because of the Fazan characters we are introduced to in this show, we kind of have, for better or worse, a rather like kind of low opinion of Fazan just because, you know, when most of the time a Fazan is spent with like guys like Rubinsky and Rupert. Right. Like, Blackmailers and schemers. Yeah, it's like you kind of forget that, oh, okay, like there are people who are proud to be Fazani and that there are ideals and like principles that they consider like uniquely Fazani that are worth fighting for even against the Empire. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and I can kind of appreciate that. And we finally find out that, oh, the like kind of revolutionary dude who keeps spouting all this stuff is actually our pilot. Yeah, I come and uh, say, hey, we got a job for you, buddy. And, uh, yes, yeah. his job is to uh, get some motherfuckers off this goddamn planet. So, yep, you know, we're, we're definitely going to see how that goes. And uh, Reinhard makes his appearance on Fazan, sparkling like the sparkly man he is. Yeah, like this fucking hair is sparkling in this scene, like some fucking. I think this is the scene know, from the opening, <laughs> like uh, maybe. It's it's some real Bishonen ass shit. Some real '90s Bishonen fucking shit. Yeah, uh, but maybe a little bit less Bishonen is the part where people start shouting uh, "Sieg Kaiser." Sieg mein Kaiser. That's right. Sieg mein Kaiser. Uh, they are 
This is how the people are uh, welcoming um, Reinhard von Lohengram to Fazan. And, right. you know, if you didn't oh, know, if you didn't, if you weren't sure about where the Empire's primary, like, cultural, <laughs> it, like, inspirations come from, you sure as hell know now. Yeah. But, and, uh, uh... Yeah, he, uh... Drives over to the Landisher's office or whatever, and, uh... He did not get the data from the FPA's computers, but he's gotten data. He's got navigational data from Frazan's computers, right? And so, goes in alone to a uh, see all of FPA space at once. Yes, and uh, think to himself that this is all we're gonna we're gonna conquer all of this, Kirky eyes. If only Kirky eyes were here. <laughs> if only Kirky eyes were here. But uh, but yeah, he finds out where uh, Heineson is and. You know, sets his sights on it, and uh, and so we end this episode with uh, yeah. Fazan's rather quick and fairly peaceful occupation. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it's like it's already the new year. Uh, you know, like they say, they say that the the UC seven ninety eight and Imperial four eighty nine have moved on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Operation Ragnarok continues to con- you know continues to go on unimpeded. So, uh, kind of very, we're kind of at a very interesting place now because I think as as we said at the start of this podcast, uh, things are uh, things are things are snowballing from here. Like we've spent this entire time like rolling up to it, getting re- getting it ready, and now it's about to all start coming down. And uh, very curious about how all the pieces that, you know, this show has so, like, lavishly spent time setting up yeah. are going to... It's, it's been a while, like... Yeah. A lot of setup for the, this uh, offensive. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, uh, I'm very curious about what Julian's gonna do in this uh, this part of the story, because... Yeah, that's, that's what I really want to see. You know, like, yeah, cause, like, I love Young, but him defending his loan is whatever. We've seen it several times. Uh, I really want to see... What Julian's gonna do, like fleeing Fazan, he says his goal is to meet up with Yang, basically. But yeah, but like the thing is that, like, even then, what would that actually like accomplish? I yeah. guess, like, because here's the thing, like, I like Julian a lot, but I think this episode did bring to point an interesting wrinkle in this in Julian's story, which is how much. How much can Julian actually change? Yeah. Like he's not a ground. general, he's not like a leader of state, like he doesn't actually have that much power, at least not now. Like no matter how charismatic he is, no matter how easy it is for him to get people yeah. to like him, right now he only's got potential power. It's how much how much can he actually effectively change? Like like I think a few episodes, a few podcasts ago we were all wondering like, well, how's Julian going to be able to like affect the Fazan uh, like occupation like is Julian gonna organize the grassroots resistance turns out that's not happening like is he gonna be able to like delay the empire in any way possible it turns that's out not that's happening. not happening yeah. so like what can Julian do like is Julian's only purpose going to be to relay the message that the empire are in the Fazan corridor but then the problem there is that who does he tell if he tells Yang Wen Li Yang Wen Li what does he tell the FPA leadership who continue to not believe him 
does he go to the FBA? Does he go to Heineson? And he's like, hey, I got uh, I got Reed Richards with me here. Uh, the FBA, you know, the Empire is attacking Truth of Hassan Corridor. Like, knowing the FBA, they will probably just write him off. They're like, oh, you're just, you're just making stuff up. Yeah. You know, like, I, what can Julian actually hope to change? Or what can he do? I really want to know. I really want to know. Yeah, uh, so do I. So do I. I... I think on some level, all we can do at this point is just kind of speculate at what Julian might be able to do because, like, up until this point, everybody we have seen in this show has had some degree of power. Like, even Young Wen Lee. Even Young Wen Lee at the start of Legend of the Galactic Heroes is still like a, uh, he's a Commodore. Yeah. He, he has a rank. He has an officer's rank. Like, it's not a high rank, but like, ostensibly, it's a high enough rank where A, he can, you know, he can command men. And B, he is at a high enough level where when the commanding officer is taken out, he can take over. Like, from the very beginning of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Yang Wan Li was able to at least command one fleet. Yeah. Without without even that much, like... Because, like, I'd say, like, the... Because in a way, like, I feel like the person who is, like, quote-unquote lowest ranked that we still see a lot in Legend of the Galactic Heroes is, like, Shenkop. No, like, like if you really top, think about it, Konev. I guess you're right. Yes, but but even then, like Poplin commands a f- a, a a fleet of 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 like starfighters. Yeah, like, I think like Poplin is like squad leader, right? Yeah, but Shenkop's the like whole company leader. Yeah, yeah, but what I mean, well, I, I, I'm kind of just saying that though both even those two guys, like Poplin and Shenkop, right, are, are still really, really high up the chain. Right, they're still relatively high up the chain in the sense where, like, there are still people that answer to them. Like, yeah, even yeah. a guy like Poplin, who we might consider insignificant, still, like, he's not <laughs> just one dude. He's not just one dude in a jet. He's technically a dude who commands, like, 50 jets. Right. And, like, 50 jets can make a difference like, in a battle. You know, same thing with, like, Shenkop. Like, Shenkop might not command an entire fleet, but he at least commands, like, commands a pretty the big. Ritter. Right, he commands the Rosen Ritter. And as we've seen, like, even just like 50 of those dudes can get a lot of work done. But like, what does Julian have? He has Louis Mashengo and now he's got Reed Richards. Like <laughs> it's not that much to work with. So yeah. I'm very curious, like, are we going to see Julian like start to build up like a crew of people that will like allow him to like make some kind of impact on this war in a, in a notable way? Or are we going to continue just kind of seeing like, you know what are the capabilities of one person in a space this wide yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting three episodes next time i suppose so yeah Yeah. yes once Um, again legend of galactic heroes has left me with no idea what's happening next yes yes uh continues to be great at that for sure you know just cannot wait for the next three episodes but I suppose we could say that every week. So yeah. I think with that, we're going to call this one a podcast. Yeah. Um, it's going to wrap up here. Uh, let's do some housekeeping as always. Watch, so as watch always, Legend of the Galactic Heroes on High Dive and VRV first. Correct. You can listen to our own podcast and read our content at theglorioblog.com. You can follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. You can also listen to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean and I think we're looking into other, uh, yeah, other podcasting like aggregators. I don't know though; that's Jell's job. 
Speaking of gel, you can also listen to our sister podcast, um, the Glorio Chat, where we talk about anime that aired, you know, more recently. This week and not 30 years ago. Yes, yes. And, uh, oh yeah, you can also listen to the podcast on YouTube. Uh, yeah. If you just like Google Legend of the Glorio Heroes, it'll probably turn up. Because we still don't have a YouTube URL, but maybe if some more people subscribe, we might be able to do that someday. Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, all that good stuff. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, leave a good review. You know that you, y'all know the score. If you've been listening this long, you know already. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think with that, uh, that's going to do it. Uh, Eero, do you have yeah. any uh, closing thoughts? Um, I wonder if uh, the, they're going to go talk to Konev, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Yes, the, uh, <laughs> so that's uh, that's like the only uh, path that I can see at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, I think Konev, like all the minor Legend of the Galactic Heroes characters we've seen so far, uh, eventually they will have their part to play. But uh, that'll have to wait for another time. So, uh, as always, thank you all for listening. Eero, thank you for accompanying me on this journey. Thank you. And... As always, we will see you all next time amongst the Sea of Stars. I know you said we didn't want to uh, do the the battle well, royale it, talk, it but I feel like I wish way, I, still, yeah. I feel like I wish we had still talked about it a little bit more. Just I feel like I feel like especially because then we could have tied into a bit about Apex Legends. Oh, well. like we could have been like, all right, like if Shenkop, you know, if, if they all drop in on like a big island, like. Is Yang Wen Li like the dude who like fucking runs around for like five minutes in an area and doesn't manage to get a single gun? Ah, uh, so like me most of the time. Yeah, because yeah, like, Yang Wen Li the dude who's like, well, I managed to find three grenades in a backpack, mm-hmm. you know, and like 15 attachments, you know. <laughs> Whereas like Julian is like the dude who probably picks up like the starter pistol and then gets three kills with it in the first 10 minutes. Yep. You know, uh, later. Shen Kopp is the dude who manages to get like first blood and he does it without a weapon. Drops on a supply ship and beats everyone with his fists. Yeah, and just punches somebody to death. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. Bittenfield. I feel like Bittenfield would probably like, get a lot of kills, but he would also die super early. <laughs> like, that kind of, that's the kind of the vibe I get from Bittenfield. Bittenfield is like a dude who would drop into like the hottest area, like get a bunch of really He's good a guy guns. Who, like plays 50 matches in an hour or whatever, because he just keeps dropping on the hot zone. Yeah. And being killed instantly. Yes. Yes. He's like the dude who shows up and you see his player card and he has like 70 kills but, like, has never won, you know, a Battle Royale match. Yeah. But that's fine totally. because, you know, he just he's just in it to shoot people up. <laughs>